This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. John chapter 15 and verse number one. We're just going to read a couple of verses here and um, looking forward to this uh, one of our last installments of Red Letter Love and uh, I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity to, to dive through this passage. We've covered this before a couple years ago, but um, I'm looking forward to taking a fresh look at it. John chapter 15 and verse number one, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my husband and my father is the husbandman or the farmer, the gardener. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth. Verse number four, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. And verse number nine, as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. Lord, we want to continue in your love. We thank you for the red letter love that spills out through the pages of the Gospels. And Lord, we're grateful for this opportunity we have to, Lord, take your words and the way you told us to love and Lord, see a new dimension of that. And today as we talk about fruitful love, I pray that it will make us more fruitful. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would not live barren, uh, lukewarm, uh, Lord, unfulfilled lives, but we would live a life that is defined by your love and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus was in the upper room. He was giving the disciples the last words at the Last Supper. But the Last Supper did not end uh, at the actual uh, upper room. In fact, we have a picture of the upper room here. This was right by the tomb of David. Uh, it's still there today. Um, they, they, they believe they have, they know right where the location is. And, and uh, they would have walked out of this, Judas being dismissed. They would have walked down the stairs from the upper room. And then they would have walked down a pathway that I've been able to walk down the exact steps that Jesus would have touched. His feet would have touched these steps. They walked down this pathway toward the Kidron Valley. As you walk into the Kidron Valley, many believe, in fact, there are still today vineyards that line this pathway to the Kidron Valley. At the base on the other side of the Kidron Valley was, is gar the Garden of Gethsemane. And on their way, after they have eaten a meal together, no doubt Jesus, uh, as the text says, he's saying from chapter, the end of chapter 13 through chapter 16, he is talking to them as they're walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. It is dark, and the only thing lighting their path were either uh, torches, most likely, or the fires that the owners of the vineyards would build at night at the nighttime. They would gather around. They would they would burn fires in the vineyards. 
So Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and I just uh, want you to pull up a, 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 a chair, per se, or, or, or kind of walk behind them and listen in. Have you ever been having a conversation with someone in a public space, and, and you realize someone's totally eavesdropping? Uh, you know, they're just kind of getting closer, you know, and you're trying to figure out what you're saying. I want you just to kind of eavesdrop onto the end of this conversation, because Jesus is going to give the disciples some really specific instruction about how they can connect to his love. Now, I've been saying from the very beginning that it's Jesus's love through us that makes all the difference in the world. And so we're going to know what that means by the end of today. But, but I, everything about this passage is all about being fruitful, bearing more fruit, bearing much fruit, okay? And so what I want to do is I first want to say, what does it mean to be fruitful? Now, uh, spoiler alert, I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, but then I'm going to walk you through this. To be fruitful and to be faithful are the exact same things in the New Testament. Every time it says faithfulness, it really is, is, is a reward for fruitfulness, okay? So you have to know that those are totally synonymous. When the, the, steward, the wise steward, uh, when he was faithful with little, when he was faithful with the talents that he was given, what was he called? He was called a wise and faithful servant because he was fruitful with what he had been given. Now that's really important for the end today, okay? So if you can remember, that fruitfulness is faithfulness, okay, then, and vice versa. I, I want you to get that. But the word fruit here that's used, when he talks about bearing much fruit, you cannot bear fruit without him. It's the word karpos. It's, it's, it's a really interesting word because they would have used it as we would use investments or the, as they would use return, rate of return. Uh, you know, uh, they, they, they use this as an economic term, but they would also use it as a, as a fulfilling term. Um, and, and they would use it as, as a positive result. Um, so a result or a harvest, a valuable benefit, a reward produced by God, um, and and they would have they would have talked about that. In fact, they were so they were so focused on this this thought process of when you get more fruit, God has blessed you more. That literally around the temple gates and even to this day, the national symbol for the children of Israel, the Jewish people, is the grapevine. So around the temple, around the gates, uh, even, even on some of their emblems, on some of their coins, on uh, basically everywhere you, you go in Israel, you see these, these grape vines and, and, and it just, it, it mattered to them. It, it, it meant that if God gave them a fruitful harvest, it was a blessing from him. So let's go back to the word fruit and let's, let's notice the last part because karpas was not just something that God gave. It was the, the profit or return from the work of gardening. But notice in this passage, who is the gardener? Jesus said that his father was the gardener. Now, I meet a lot of people who say, well, if God does the work, and if it's all of grace, then what do I have to do? That's a great question. And I want you to see today, because there are two repeated the things, and when, whenever Jesus repeats himself, it's not because he's stuttering. <laughs> it's not because he doesn't, you know, have other words to use. He's repeating it for emphasis, and he doesn't want us to miss this. And I will tell you, I'm just being really upfront with you, that the first time we studied this in 2018, 
I miss this, okay? And so I'm, I'm coming back to this passage and you can go listen to it and, and, and critique it and tell me how, how, how terrible it was. But I will tell you that, that in this passage, there are two things over and over again that we just cannot skip over. And the first thing is in Christ. And I have to ask you, are you in Christ? If you, if you aren't, if you're like, I don't know what that means, we'll talk about that in a minute. If you are in Christ, then it is possible for you to then understand the second thing, the second question to to understand for fruitful life. And that is, how can you bear more fruit or much fruit? Okay, so we're going to study both of those questions today. I want to I I first focus on the first one. What does it mean to be in Christ? Like when we say that in Christ, like what does that mean? Now, here is, here is something that is really crazy. How many of you would dis- describe yourself as a Christian? Okay, as a Christian, a Christ one as it's called, okay? Put your hands down. Maybe you're at home and, and, or you're watching this later and, and, and this is something you describe, you describe yourself as a Christian. What if I told you in the New Testament that the word Christian is only used three times? Three times. So in one time, it's just, addressing the term. It's like, it's, it's saying they were first called Christians in Antioch. And then the other two times are just kind of passing comments. But over 140 different times in the New Testament, guess what we are called? We are called in Christ. The title in Christ was used more than Christians to the tune of 140 to three. We are in Christ. And so what I want to do today is I want to walk through what that means. What does it mean to be in Christ? I want you to see in verses uh, one and two that Jesus does not mince any words. He says, if you're in me, you're going to bear fruit. If you're not in me, you're not going to bear fruit. And in verse number uh, four, it says, so abide in me and I in you. Wait a second. So now we're not just talking about us being in Christ, but now we're talking about Christ being in us. It's like, wait a second, how can we break this down? Well, I'm going to break it down in two ways. First of all, letter A, following Jesus, okay? So so when we're following Jesus, it is an all-inclusive deal, okay? So so following Jesus is all-inclusive. So the first aspect to being in Christ is being all in. So the question has to be asked, if you ask, am I a Christian or am I in Christ? The the answer must be, yes, I am all in. So so, (laughs) there's going to be several things that I say today that it's going to be like, hmm, I never thought about that, okay? But I will tell you this, that I'm doing a disservice to you as a pastor if, if I do not tell you that if Jesus is not the Lord of all, he is not your Lord at all. Now, little kids get this. Children get that you are not all in. They can, they can see it. Sometimes I will, I will be trying to multitask. I'm a terrible multitasker, by the way. My wife's much better at it. But, but I will try to multitask. And Chandler's the best, man. He will literally, I mean, to this day, and he's been doing this since he was like three years old, he will take my face and he will turn it (laughs) 
whoop. <laughs> no, I'm here, you know? They're like, oh, yeah, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. And, 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 and he's like, no, 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 I want all of your attention. I want half of it. I don't want, I want a little bit. I want all of it. And, and God is saying uh, through, through, through Jesus here, he says, listen, you abide in me and, and, and you're either all in or you're all out. Now, this can be a little bit discouraging to some because um, when, when we think about it, you're like, oh man, but I, oh, I'm trying to be all in. Well, well, this is not something you have to try to do. And that's the beauty of it because he says this. He says, I am commanding you to abide in me. It's not, you know, if you want to abide in me, he's like, no, I'm commanding you to abide in me. And the command, we've talked about this before, the very command of it brings the possibility of it. So what God commands, he enables. And so I want you, I want you to see this because this is really, really encouraging. In, in verse number four, when he says the word abide, it's, it's the word, it's the word meno actually, but, but it's, it's the word minate in, in this particular word is the word minate. Actually, it's, it's the derivative of the word meditate. It's interesting, but, but it means to stay with, to remain. If I could just put it this way, you could read the rest of it uh, in your notes, but, but it's just to not leave, to, to, to when things get tough, you're staying with him. You're, you're not, you're not running from him. And, and, and so it's, it's, it's to stay with him. It's, it's to abide close to him. And, and so let me just flush this out in several different ways. Okay. As a parent, um, I, I desperately want some things to be present in my children, okay? I, I want them uh, to, to, to have some things. I'm trying to pour some things into them. I'm trying to develop some things into them. But the goal of my parenting is not encouraging my children to be a better version of me, which sometimes I've done. I've had to repeat, repent of. Because sometimes it's really easy for me just to want them to be a better version of me. That's never what God wants. He wants my children to live the way Jesus lived. Jesus is the goal. Jesus is the standard. Jesus is the one that we're pushing toward. And what I want them to do is I want them to be so attached to Jesus that they don't want to leave him. It's not about hurting me. It's not about leaving me. It's not about rebelling from me. It's about being close to Jesus. You see, I won't always be with them. I won't always be able to help them, but Jesus will never leave them nor forsake them. And I want to tell you as children of God, we have the same responsibility. I am not trying to be like you and you are not trying to be like me. We are all trying to be like Jesus Christ. That's the key. So it takes all the pressure off. Last week we talked about comparison. And the reason why that just burdens me is because we live in bondage to other people's expectations. We live in bondage to what culture says is success. And Jesus says, wait a second, let me tell you how to be fruitful. Jesus says, I'll tell you how to be fruitful. I'll tell you how to have success. I'll tell you what you're searching for, what you're longing for, but it's an all-inclusive journey and you can't, verse four, you can't do it without me. Uh, yesterday, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but yesterday I was with um, um, 
Chandler after the game. And uh, Chandler, along with uh, another kid from New Life, Eddie, uh, they are on the same baseball team. And they, they barely lost, um, but they both played good, so they didn't care that they lost, you know. Uh, and so that's just kind of how it goes with Little League Baseball, you know. It's like, if I get a good hit, if I'm doing well, okay, well, I lost, but I did good, you know. So, you know, bummer to be you guys, you know. So um, it's just kind of they're learning the whole team sport thing. And, and uh, you know, and, and, so, uh, and, and so Chandler had, had, had struck out honestly, probably a dozen times over the last four games or whatever. And, he, and I was working with him and, and, and we really, really worked hard this week um, to, to see if he could get a hit. And he finally got a hit. And he was so excited. But, you know, the pendulum kind of swings, you know. And so he went from really discouraged last week to like, super overly confident. And, and so Edwin, Edwin, I think heard him say this. He's like putting all the stuff and he's like, dad, I'd get more playing time if my coach knew how much power was flowing through these veins. And he just kept going. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. Simmer down, man. Like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. If he saw the, the, what was running through your veins, I'm sure he'd play more. Like what? It's little league. You're eight years old. You know, it's like, you, know, you got power running. And he just felt like, wow, I could do this. And many times we feel like, you know, oh man, I, I just, I just, I can't do it. And then, you know, we're on a roll and, and, and we're starting to do better and we're like, oh, I got this. And then we have boom, face plant. And God says, listen, you have no power. And it, it's actually a compound word. It's dynamite, where we get the word dynamite from, dynamite poeo. Okay, and I want you guys to put that word up there for can do, because he said, you can do, okay? You can accomplish, you can have power, you can be capable, you can be strong enough, you can with me, but without me, no can do. You can't do it. So don't try. And, and, and listen, there'll be moments of lack of confidence and there'll be moments where we feel like we can, but we all have to step back and say, God, I can't do this. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. And so here's a key for relationships, that fruitful relationships are constructed through a commitment to what Christ can do. It's not what I can do. My relationship is not predicated based on how much I know about communication. Now, this Wednesday, we're talking all about communication and relationships, so I don't want to cut the feet out from under that. But I want to tell you something, that if we're not committed to what Christ can do in our relationships, we're going to fall flat on our face. We're going to strike out. But I will tell you, we start hitting home runs when we give him all the glory and credit and say, it's all you. I can't do anything without you. I'm going to give you all the credit for it in the first place. And so here's an action item. I would encourage you to ask God to show you where your commitment level is a little bit low, okay? And, and I, I have those areas just like you do and surrender to his plan through grace. Just say, God, listen, I, this is all inclusive. Uh, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let you into every area of my life and this area, I'm not as committed to you. So I'm gonna let you into that area of my life. Last week, we uh, celebrated the 26th anniversary of the Oklahoma bombing. And I uh, grew up uh, almost every summer going down to Oklahoma and go to a youth conference down there. And, and, uh, and, and I remember seeing the carnage. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was one of those, almost like a 9-11 moment, um, you know, uh, 
I'm going to date myself here, uh, sitting by a radio, uh, listening to everything kind of play, play by play. Um, and, and it was just unbelievable to hear about it. And then of course you would see the images, uh, weeks after just, just, you know, with the daycare that blew up, it was horrific. Even to this day, it was, well, it was actually the worst bombing, uh, to ever hit us soil, uh, continental us. And so, um, but my, uncle at the time was a U.S. Marshal. He's since retired. And he was in charge of the perimeter. As I remember, he, um, he had lots of different roles in that. And, um, and, but, but he was in charge of the perimeter. They set a perimeter. No one came in and out without him knowing. And so my uncle, Hal, he was, he was standing at that perimeter. And, and, and as I remember him telling it, there was, there was several people who had tried to come in. He just said, I, I have orders. Like no one is coming into this perimeter anymore. Everyone who needs to be in on the inside is on the inside. And, and, and so he kept telling people no. And then finally, this, this guy just said, you really, I really need to get past there. And he was trying to be nice, but then finally just, you know, got pretty pushy and, my uncle just kind of looked at him and said, give me one good reason why I should let you through. And he said, I'm the governor of Oklahoma. <laughs> he was literally arguing with the governor of Oklahoma and, and he was trying to say, listen, no one can come through. And I'm sure that his supervisor was thinking, well, except for the governor, okay, you can let him through. He's probably safe. Um, and, and, you know, I thought about that story. I've, I think I may have told it before with some of the other details, but I just thought that, you know, sometimes I'm like that, that, God comes to me and says, I, I want to engage in this area. And I'm like, well, God, it's not Sunday. It's like not the weekend. Like God, I mean, not right now. I'll, I'll engage in that area later. I mean, look at all the other areas I've given you access to. And God's like, no, no, no. It, this is not a pick and choose. This is not a de department store. This is not a Burger King have it your way kind of life. This is me and you abiding together and either I'm in you or I'm not and you're in me or you're not, but this is all inclusive, man. We are on a journey together and I want access to every room. That's how we follow Jesus. But it's not just all inclusive. I want you to see this and this is really helpful and practical. Following Jesus is all about alignment. If you think about it, in order to follow someone, you have to be aligned with where they're going, what they're doing. It's alignment. When I'm not, when I'm following myself, my impulses, my desires, or, or what I think other people want, other trying to please other people, I, I fall out of alignment. And what I end up doing is I end up blaming other things for my lack of alignment. I end up blaming my spouse or blaming circumstances. And we've actually seen a lot of that this year. And I'm just being real transparent and open. There are things that have been blamed on the pandemic that were not caused by the pandemic. The, 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 the explosion in, in, in domestic violence was revealed by the pandemic. It was not caused by the pandemic. The, 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 the massive increase in in depression and suicide and all of that, that was, that was, you know, made worse by the pandemic, no doubt. But I will tell you, there were thoughts of depression before the pandemic ever hit. Trust me, I know. So we need to step back and say, okay, we can either blame and, and have excuses about why we're not in alignment or in love. And this is such a moment of grace and love. Jesus walking past the vineyards, looking over. That's just, what a masterful teacher. Hey guys, 
I'm the vine. You're the branches. See that fruit? We, we just had, we just had the, 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 the result, the benefit of that fruit at the last table. Remember when he said, this is my cup? In a few weeks, man, I can't wait. We're going to go through that in depth. This is my cup. On Sunday morning and Sunday night, we're going to study, this is my cup. That, those words, this is my cup, it's so special. Okay, so there's lots of, that's the result, right? But he said, hey, listen, that fruit that we just drank, that, that juice, that wine, that was the result of a process of growth. And so this alignment is mentioned because I, I think sometimes we talk a lot about the result. I think we, we love talking about the success. I think we love talking about the fruit, but we don't like the process that it takes to get the fruit. So church family, I just, we really need to lean into this because this is going to help contextualize some things that you're going through that, that honestly, I, I'm just really being raw. I need to talk about this more. And, and, and I, I don't avoid it, but, but when it's in the passage, I'm, I'm gonna engage it, okay? So I want you to see in verse number three. Now ye are clean, everyone say clean. You are clean through the word which I've spoken. The word clean is a very, very in, in, in interesting word. It means 100% spotless. It, it, it's, it's the word for, uh, for, for being 100% uh, pure or innocent, completely untainted, clear of pollution, not one drop. So like when I read that, I'm like, well, catharsis, that's not me. <laughs> that, not me. I, I'm not. But, but, but then I realize, oh, wait a second, wait a second. What does it say? It says, ye are clean, what, on your own? No, through the word which I have spoken to you. The hearing of the word brings faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The word of God brings then repentance and salvation. Salvation brings, uh, for 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it's in your notes, uh, that he, made, he was sent for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. We were made clean by the word of God. I love this because this is not just the words that he spoke, but this was the word who he was that made them possible to be stamped clean. But there was also a process. He was, he was cleansing them even in this moment with the word, with the words. Now, um, again, it's been on my mind a lot. We're doing, a, in my group, we're doing a relationship series and on Wednesday nights, and, and I've been reading through uh, Ephesians 5. And, and you know, one of the things that we're going to be covering this Wednesday, so I don't want to dive into it, is about how Jesus says that he cleanses. Look at, look at in your notes, Ephesians 5, 26. Uh, he might sanctify and cleanse uh, the church with the washing of water by the word. He's making a metaphor here to say, husbands, you cleanse your wife. You, you make them pure and clean and, and, and without doubt, without worry, without, you help them by giving them, uh, you're washing them with their word, washing them with praise and love and all of those things. So, but, but he says, this is how it works with the church. He wants to present the church glorious, not having spot nor wrinkle or anything that he should be without blemish. So that's the word clean. 
How does he get you to be able to stand before him without spot and blemish? He's working on your spots and blemishes right now. That's how he does it. And how does he do it? Verse number two, he prunes. The word pruneth, it's literally this word that means to cut back. Uh, the word the word pruneth um, is is the word it's it's like catharsis but it's kathiro uh, it, it, it's it, it literally means to to cleanse but but it means to to cut down to reduce to wound. Now I've had lots of people say why does it just feel like God's wounding me? Why does it feel like God would allow me to go through this? And I, my heart breaks for people as I walk through a valley or a trial with them. But I think that we have a totally wrong perspective of the difficulties that happen to us and for us. And so I, I want to I hopefully explain this and, and, and look at the key thought. I'm gonna, I, I have to use kind of a visual for, for me to, to, get, to get this because um, you know, sometimes I, I will throw out a concept and it's like, what, what do you mean? I, I hope that no one in here or no one watching at home uh, is in doubt after this. But, but without the removal, without the pruning of a, of a fleshly, uh, you know, sinful, uh, selfish growth, okay, um, as, as the body would have a growth that needs surgical removal, our soul has selfish growths that sap us and remove the possibility for spiritual growth. And so this is what Jesus is saying. And I don't know if there was pruning going on at that time, but he said, listen, the fruit can't come unless there's pruning, cutting back. So, so what, what we think is, we think, oh, God, let this trial come and the trial is cutting me. Let me see if I can turn this thing on, not cut a finger off. Cutting me. And so we look at that blade and we say, that's the prop, that's the issue. So oh, if I could just, if, I, if that blade wasn't cutting, if that, if that cancer diagnosis, if that financial trial, if, if COVID, if, if that hadn't happened, that cutting, and, and we, say, we say, that's the problem. Why did God allow the cutting to happen? But, but let me just say something. The cutting is, is not the problem. Okay, God takes, and I want to I illustrate this. God uses something that looks powerful, okay? But I will tell you something, that if you take this, and you take this blade, and you completely take this blade out, it makes the same noise, okay? And it might, it might even, I mean, it, you might stick your finger in there and just see how much it hurts. It might hurt you, Okay? But the point is, it doesn't have a whole lot of purpose. It doesn't, it, 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 it scares you. I mean, it might bruise you, but this is not gonna, it's not going to make the precision cut like it was designed to. The force behind it allows for the cutting, okay? So I wanna, I wanna show you something. In the word of God, this is the trial. This is the trial that allows for the blade to cut. But make no mistake, the blade is the word of God. The word is quick and powerful and is sharper than a two-edged sword. It actually cuts. It discerns the intents in the heart. It literally cuts into you and it cuts out of you what 
is deadly to your soul. But it cannot cut into you unless it has uncovered, unless it has shown. Another example is a CT scan or an X-ray. The X-ray does not cause the pain, it just reveals it. The, 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 the wound, if it is not uncovered, cannot be dealt with. And so a trial reveals a problem. And like I was talking about COVID, it revealed a lot of things that were under the surface. And it's an actually a, an act of grace. But make no mistake that the actual cutting is the word of God. It is the truth. Let me walk through this in several different ways, okay? First of all, let me show you something from the word of God that, that, that helps us to understand this. Spiritual pruning is the ultimate act of love because it risks the relationship in order to attempt to move something that's deadly to our soul. And so God does not allow trials into our life just to wound us for no, for no reason. He allows trials into our lives to reveal our need for truth. If we do not allow the truth to cut out what is going on in our heart, we will have to learn. We see this in scripture over and over again. We will have to learn through another trial. And I don't know if it's just me, but God sends a, a similar trial or, or maybe a little bit different, but I have to learn the same lessons kind of over and over again until I allow the sword of the spirit to, to, to carve out what makes it painful. You say, well, no, 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 but pastor, it, it is the trial that brought me pain. I will tell you that the trial is not the problem. And, and I know that sounds just so counterintuitive what we've all learned or heard. The marital conflict is not the problem. It is not. The problem is unbelief. The problem is selfishness. And the only solution for those problems is truth. And so we have to allow the truth to get in, but we won't want the truth to change us without a change in circumstance, without the, the ability to see, oh, wow, I need this. Okay, God, this is gonna be really hard, but I'm having a conversation. God, this is really hard for me, but I'm gonna actually engage with that person. I'm gonna actually surrender that. I, I know this is difficult. I don't wanna hear this right now, but, but, I, but I, I am going to. And so trials are so difficult. But I will tell you that if we do not steward the pain that is, that, that is uncovered and shown through the word of God and allow the word of God to start cutting and, and to pruning us, we will not see the growth that God wants us to see. And, and, and he says this in, in uh, Hebrews 12, verse number 10. He says, your fathers, they chastened us after their own pleasure, like for their own benefit. But, but, he, Jesus, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. So Jesus is after our holiness, not our happiness. See, when we think of a trial, we think it is the barrier to my happiness. And God says, wait a second, the barrier to your happiness is your lack of holiness. You cannot be happy without being holy. God is not running around trying to make you happy. Now he wants you to be joyful. Next week is all about joy, okay? Joyful love. That's awesome. And I want every week to be that sermon. <laughs> but welcome to this week. <laughs> this week is, he wants to make you whole. He wants to deal with the root cause, not just the surface, not just the, 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 
the outer, but the inner. And so this, this is fleshed out with parenting. See, in parenting, consequences are often tied to the children's behavior. You did this wrong, so this is your consequence. By the way, parents, never, never say punishment. Jesus took our punishment for us. There's a consequence to realign or redirect behavior. It's a little thing, but it's a big thing theologically. What I'm trying to do in parenting, what we're all trying to do in parenting is this. We are trying, and this, there goes one of my fruit for the end, okay. Uh, We are trying to uh, form them and tie them to the truth. And so all consequences of behavior are tied to unbelief, not their inability to conform. I'm not trying to get them to conform to a set of rules because one day those set of rules will mean nothing. I am trying to conform them to Jesus Christ. And if they don't believe that that's the best, then that unbelief needs to be reinforced with a consequence and to show them, uh, listen, I'm taking this away, okay? In the Mord household, everything can be gone. (laughs) We have a really bad day. We're gonna have a barren house. That's just how we have found is really helpful uh, for consequences, okay? So our trash, if you ever drive by our house and there's just a pile of stuff by the trash that looks really like normal stuff that you wouldn't throw away, just know we're, we're doing some pruning. <laughs> we, well, we walk out, okay, here we go. Man, I, I paid, you know, I helped pay for that and, and you did too, but hey, listen, I would rather you address your unbelief than have all of these possessions and so that's what God does to us as a heavenly father. He says, listen, I love you enough to address this. And so here's an action item. Highlight the moments when, when following Jesus does not seem fair, does not seem best, and uncover the root of unbelief. Listen, in a trial, when we're confused and bewildered and like, what are you doing, God? We have to stop and say, wait a second, why am I feeling that way? I'm feeling that way because of my unbelief, my lack of trust, in an area. And I'm going to turn back and say, God, maybe this trial is the best thing that's ever happened to me. I don't know about you, but I've had some deep trials. You have too. But I look back on every single one of them, not a one, and say, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I'll tell you, if you would have walked into my dorm room after dating Danielle for two years, and I didn't think that we were ever getting back together, I mean, I was putting money on a ring and she walked out the door. That, I, I would not have told you that was the best thing. That was the best thing that ever happened in our relationship. Letting go. And so, so I could go through Chandler in the hospital, uh, you know, multiple, all, all of it, you know, multiple disappointments, multiple deaths, multiple problems, best friends committing suicide, all of those things. You look and you go, oh my goodness, that's so terrible. And God says, I'm working for good. I'm working. Don't, don't, don't ever doubt my heart. I'm working, I'm pruning, I'm cutting back. I'm, I'm gonna make you more fruitful. I'm gonna use you. You're gonna see this in, 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 in hindsight. But listen, just trust me right now. Just trust me right now. So that's what it means to be in Christ. We're all in, it's all inclusive. And, and it's not just all inclusive, it's a realignment. We're realigning. And and like in relationships, realignment doesn't begin with what you want. It begins with who you are. You are in Christ. 
And so a person in Christ loves this way, respects this way, okay? So number two, and finally, and this will take two minutes. First, first, part was, first, first point was the longest, okay? What does it mean to bear fruit? So when he says bear fruit, all right? Um, when he says bear fruit, this is, this is what he's talking about. The word bear, thank you, is the word pharaoh, which I thought was very interesting. The word pharaoh means to carry or bring forth, to lead, um, which, is, which is why they called him the pharaoh, okay? But, but it literally means to produce. Now, I don't know what your life is producing, but maybe it's not producing as much as you wanted. Maybe your life is producing something and, and, and you're not really liking the result. And I've been there, guys, I've been there. And Jesus says, hey, I want to help you to produce what you long to produce. I want to produce something in you that you can't produce in in yourself. I want to bring forth fruit. And so letter A, fruitful living pleases God. It pleases God. To glorify literally means to please. We were made to do this, Revelation 4.11. And when we're living any other way, other than the way that God has created us, Listen, if there's one thing that I could tell our culture right now, it would be this. If we are living any other way than God created us to live, we will have so much frustration and tension. And I, I, I sit and I work in the school district and, the, and, and, and in all parts of our community, I try to be present. with As a church, we are in almost every part of our community. I mean, from social programs, Planned Parenthood, all the way through um, economic programs and commerce. I mean, everything. We, we want to be in the community shedding light. That's who we are. But I will tell you that there's so much frustration and tension. They're like, why is this so hard? And I'm just sitting back there going, I, can I just say that that's literally not the way we were created to run things? Like, we're, we're literally fighting against creation. And so doesn't please God. Living fruitful pleases God, but then it goes both ways. Letter B, pleasing God produces fruitful living. So it's like when my heart is to love God, when my heart is to please God, when my heart is just, hey, listen, God, hey, I'm going to let you bring the fruit. I'm just going to please you. I'm just going to go for you. Listen, whatever you do, I'm all in. Then we see the fruitful living coming. And so true love is living out the truth in a way that pleases God. And so Here's the point, and this is full circle. Here's the takeaway. It is this, that the love that God gives to us produces in us the fruitful life we are longing to live. The life you are longing to live is just on the other side of the love that God has given to you. Listen, the love that God has given to you, when you engage in that and show it to others, it produces the life that you've always longed you could live, the consistently, uh, the consistency you've longed to have, uh, the, the kindness you've longed to share, the patience you've longed to have, uh, the, the joy that you've longed to have, the peace that you've longed to have, all of that is a fruit of the Spirit. And so really what it comes down to is this. What kind of fruit are you producing? If you're provo- producing the fruit of the Spirit, you're connected to the vine. If you're producing anything else, you're not. There are some that will sit in churches and they will look like Judas did, like they are connected to the vine. 
but there's no fruit in their life. There's no desire. It's God that worketh in you, both the will and to do his good pleasure. There's, there's no reproduction. There's, there, there's, there's no te- wanting to tell someone else. There's, there's no reading of the word. There's no seeing the word in you, in your life. There's just no, there's no fruit. You will know them by their fruits. But if you're in him, if you're connected to the vine, what you do with the fruit determines how much fruit you have. When I was a kid, we grew up in our backyard, had tons of fruit trees. Uh, several, the way it was, was there were, every, every group had about an acre and then it, all of the backyards just kind of converged. And so all those kids would have, you know, 40, 50 acres maybe uh, in this huge block area with houses all the way around it uh, that, that you could just do. And then right next to it was a park and then fields. And it was just kind of, kind of a, you just play outside. I mean, they just didn't have video games. Okay. So yeah, poor me. Right. Uh, so, but, but there were fruit trees everywhere, apples and and I took the, the crab apples and they were perfect for the, 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 the annoying girl next door. She'd, she'd walk out and I'd just, one time her, her dad came over and just furious, you know, and he's like, you gave my daughter a well, I'm gonna, you know, whatever. And he's like, wow, okay, don't do that. But my favorite of all fruit trees was the mulberry tree. I'd sit under them all, and my mom would always know. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a young kid. I'm sitting under that tree, and it's staining all of my clothes, you know. But I love those mulberries just sitting there. I will tell you that fruit is wonderful. Fruit, fruit is, it tastes good. It's a benefit. It's actually good for you. But I will tell you that fruit used the wrong way will never bring you joy. And, and, and God did not give us the fruit, the benefits, the, 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 the grace. He did not give it so that we would misuse it. This comes all the way full circle to this. Adam and Eve in the garden. God said, I'm going to give you all the fruit you need. I'm going to give you all the results, all the success you need. I'm going to produce that in the garden. But I'm going to ask you to trust me with two trees. And I'm going to ask that those two trees you trust me with. You don't touch those two trees. I'm going to give you those fruits when I decide to give you them. I don't want you to take those fruits. But what did they do? They said, we want to define fruitfulness on our own terms. We don't feel fruitful without that. And because you've withheld from us, God, we're going to take what we don't have. They had hundreds, maybe even thousands of fruit trees in the garden. And there were two that God said, no, let's not. And so a fruitful life is always saying, God, I'm going to trust you that that's the boundary. God, I'm going to trust you that that's hands off. God, I'm going to trust you that I should not do that because you said that 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 wasn't good for me. And I'm just going to eat the fruit that you've given me. And I'm I'm going to enjoy the life you've given me with contentment. And I'm going to allow this fruit to fulfill me in a way that I can then turn around and bless others. A life lived focused on what you don't have is a really sad, empty way to live. But a life lived with fruitfulness that God gives to say, God, you've given me everything I need. Everything I don't have, I'm going to trust that it's what I don't need. And I'm just going to make the most. 
You know, that turns people's lives around when they say, God, I'm gonna make the most with what we have. With what, with what we're doing right now, with whatever you've given me, I'm gonna make the most. And so let's live the fruitful lives through his fruitful love. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.